Book four, chapter ten of Henrietta Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April Gonzalez. Henrietta Temple by Benjamin Daisraeli. Book four, chapter ten. In which Ferdinand Armine is much concerned. The contingency which Glastonbury feared surely happened. Miss Grantison insisted upon immediately rushing to her Ferdinand, as the maiden aunt was still and invalid, and was incapable of enduring the fatigues of a rapid and anxious journey. She was left behind. Within a few hours of the receipt of Glastonbury's letter, Sir Radcliffe and Lady Armine and the niece were on the way. They found letters from Glastonbury in London which made them travel to Armine even though denied. In spite of all of his remedies, the brain fever which the physician foresaw had occurred, and when his family arrived, the life of Ferdinand was not only in danger but desperate. It was impossible that even the parents could see the child, and no one was allowed to enter his chamber but his nurse, the physician, and occasionally Glastonbury. For this name, and with others less familiar to the household, sounded so often in the frenzied lips of a sufferer, that it was recommended that Glastonbury should often be at his bedside. Yet he must leave it, to receive the wretched Sir Ratcliffe and his wife and a disconsolate companion. Never was so much unhappiness congregated together under one roof, and yet, perhaps Glastonbury, though the only one who retained the least command over himself, was with his sad secret, the most woe-begone of the tribe. As for Lady Armine, she sat without the door of her son's chamber the whole day and night, clasping a crucifix in her hands, and absorbed in silent prayer. Sir Ratcliffe remained below prostrate. The unhappy Catherine in vain offered the consolation she herself so needed, and would have wondered about that Armine of which she had heard so much, and where she was to have been so happy, a forlorn and solitary being. Had it not been for the attentions of the considerate Glastonbury, who embraced every opportunity of her being her companion. His patience, his heavenly resignation, his pious hope, his vigilant care, his spiritual consolation, occasionally even the glimpse of the agreeable converse with which he attempted to divert her mind, consoled and maintained her. How often did she look at his benignant countenance, and not wonder that the Armines were so attached to his engaging and devoted friend. For three days did unhappy family expect in terrible anticipation that each moment would witness the last event in the life of their son. His distracted voice caught too often the vigilant and agonized ear of his mother, yet she gave no evidence of the pang, except by clasping the crucifix with increased energy. She had promised the physician that she would command herself, that no sound should escape her lips, and she was rigidly fulfilled the contract on which she was permitted to remain. On the eve of the fourth day, Ferdinand, who had never yet closed his eyes, but who had become during the last twelve hours somewhat more composed, fell into a slumber. The physician lightly dropped the hand which he had scarcely ever quitted, and, stealing out of the room, becalmed, his fingers pressed to his lips, to Lady Armine who followed him. Assured by the symbols that the worst had not yet happened, she followed the physician to the end of the gallery, and he then told her, that immediate danger was past. And now, dear madam, said the physician to her, you must breathe some fresh air. Oblige me by descending. 
Lady Army no longer refused. She repaired with a slow step to Sir Ratcliffe. She leaned upon her husband's breast as she murmured to him her hopes. They went forth together. Catherine and Glastonbury went to the garden. The appearance of Lady Armine gave them hopes. There was a faint smile on her face which needed not words to explain it. Catherine sprang forward, and threw her arms round her aunt's neck. He may be saved! He may be saved! whispered the mother, for in this hushed house of impending death they had lost almost the power as well as the habit of speaking in any other tone. He sleeps, said the physician. All the present dangers past. It is too great joy, murmured Catherine, and Glastonbury advanced and caught in his arms insensible form. End of Book Four, Chapter Ten. Recording by April Gonzalez, Cavita, Philippines.